this is going to be about another one of the names in the Bible that you don't hear a whole lot about, although this person has a little more attention because he was uh, a king and he was a great one of the greatest kings that Israel had. And a unique story, Second <clears throat> Kings chapter 22, it's the story of Josiah. In fact, last week John Mark mentioned King Josiah uh, because of some of the things that took place in his life. Second Kings 22 and verse 1 says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. I don't think we have any eight-year-olds in here tonight. He was eight years old when he started becoming, when he became the king. And he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem. So he died at age 39. He died quite young. He started young. His mother's name was, was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adiah of Bosketh. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And walked in all the way of David his father. And turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Then go to chapter 23 and verse 25. And like unto him... Was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might? According to the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. This puts him in a class with King David. He was that good of a king. He was, he was a, one of the best that Judah or Israel had ever seen. So here we have the story of Josiah. Now we go up to Second Chronicles 34. It's a parallel passage. And uh, I want to read this chapter, most of it, just because of the details in it. Second Chronicles, according to God's measures of greatness. And what's interesting about Josiah, and we didn't show you, but chapter 21 of Kings, Second Kings, his father was Amon, and he was a terrible, terrible king. Only lasted a few years. Wicked king. His grandfather was Manasseh, who was one of the worst kings that Israel or Judah ever had. Manasseh did get right at the end of his life, but he lived most of his life wickedly. His great-grandfather was Hezekiah, but I don't think Josiah knew Hezekiah. I'm sure he didn't. But and Hezekiah was a good king. But Josiah had a wicked grandfather and a wicked father so young people if you think well i don't have christian parents or grandparents that doesn't mean that you can't be a great person a great woman or a great man of god and when josiah came to the throne at age eight there was a great spiritual apostasy and a horrible moral moral decline in fact there were sodomite jerusalem and if you don't know what a sodomite is that's the biblical word for homosexual and these people were just young eight-year-old josiah came to reign and i think he came to reign at age eight because god couldn't handle the wickedness of his father ammon any longer and allowed him to be killed so uh, we see then josiah becoming uh, the last great spiritual leader of those kings at that time and the great spiritual revival that they had was during his reign also, it's interesting to note, and I did not realize this, but Josiah was living at the same time as a preacher named Jeremiah. If you read Jeremiah chapter 1, you'll see that Jeremiah was preaching during the time of Josiah as king. It's interesting that God raised up Josiah and Jeremiah at about the same time. 
But here in Second Chronicles 34, it kind of helps you to spell it out and to see the timetable. And uh, years ago at a, at a Bible camp, the speaker did this for us, and I have it in my margin. I want to tell you to do it if you would. You don't have to, but I think it might help you. Josiah was eight years old in verse 1 when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one in 30 years. So I wrote eight next to verse 1. I just wrote in the margin eight. Verse 2, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. Verse 3, for in the eighth year of his reign, now you've got to be a mathematician to get this, but in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of, of David his father. So in the eighth year of his reign, how old was he? Ah, very good. All right. So I have 16 written next to verse 3. At the end of verse 3, I have 20 written next to it. You know why? Because it says, and in the 12th year of his reign, that would be 12 plus 8, he, he was now 20 years old. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. So let me stop and back up. At, at verse 3, when he was 16 years old, you could say he got saved. You could say that he, he, he began... While he was young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. He, he started to really focus on God and the God of David. And four years after that beginning of seeking, at age 20, he started purging Judah and Jerusalem f- from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. What does that mean? Everything that shouldn't have been there. The high places where they would sacrifice. And I just was reading in the Old Testament Leviticus last week how that God told them, don't offer any sacrifice anywhere but here at the temple. High places are off limits. It just gets messed up. And the groves were places where they did wicked things. And carved images and molten images, those are idols. Verse 4, and they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence. And the images that were on high above them, he cut down in the groves and the carved images and the molten images. He break in pieces and made dust of them and strewed it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. And he burnt the bones of the priests upon their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. So did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon and even unto Anaphtali with their mattocks round about. And when he had broken down the altars and the groves and had beaten the graven images into powder and cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. He just started cleaning house. And let me just say, though, he started right. And that's point number one. He started right. Now, there are a lot of kings that started right but didn't end very well. But he started right, and even though he had a wicked father named Ammon and a wicked grandfather named Manasseh, he still started right in spite of that. Praise God for that. He didn't allow any excuses and say, well, I just don't have a a godly family, and my dad and mom aren't married to each other anymore, and my grandparents aren't Christians, and my, my parents don't act like Christians, and there's just a lot of bad stuff in my family. It doesn't matter. He didn't have any excuses that he tried to use for that. He At age eight, he became the king. He wasn't playing video games or watching cartoons. He was king. And he lived in wicked days. We're going to see in a minute that when he became king, there weren't any Bibles being used. The word of God existed, but nobody was reading it. You know how I know that? Because he's going to find it. 
he's going to unbury it pretty soon. He has no idea. He, at age 8, he became king. At age 16, he got right with God. At age 20, he began to, to clean house. And, but he, he's not even aware of all of the law of God yet. It's not even on the radar. He, he only knows about God, but he, he hasn't. But, you know, it's interesting. When you start wanting to do right, it's amazing how God will help you find things. So <clears throat> here in verse 8. Now, in the 18th year of his reign, so 18 plus 8, how old is he now? Man, Mr. Spears on it tonight. I tell you, he must have got a nap today or something. Now, in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah and Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. And when they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites had kept in the doors had gathered of the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim and of all the remnant of Israel and all the Judah and Benjamin. And they returned to Jerusalem and they put it in the hand of the workmen that had the oversight of the house of the Lord. And they gave it to the workmen that wrought in the house and the Lord of the Lord to repair and, and amend the house. Even the artificers and the builders gave they it and to buy hewn stone and timber for the couplings and to floor the house which the kings of Judah had destroyed. And the men did the work faithfully and the overseers of them were Jahath and Obadiah and the Levites, the sons of Merari, Merari and Zechariah and Meshulam, and the sons of the Kohathites to set it forward, and other of the Levites and all that could skill of instruments of music. Also they were over the bearers of burdens, and there were, over, were overseers over all the, the wrought work in the, any manner of the service, and of the Levites there were scribes and officers and porters. And when they brought out the money that was bought, brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the high priest found a book. I found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. Now, the word B-I-B-L-E is the same as the word book. Biblos, it just means a book. It means the word. And so they found the book. Verse 15, And Helkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Helkiah delivered the book to Shaphan, and Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again, saying, All that was written committed to thy servants, they do it. And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord, and they have got, delivered it into the hand of the overseers, into the hand of the workmen. And Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the law, that he rent his clothes. When they started reading the books of Moses, the five books, and the, and the law of God in, written by Moses, and he realized how much they had not been doing and how far they had been wrong, and how far they had slid from the days of David till now. And when he started to hear the word of God being read, he ripped his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah and Ahiakim, the son of Shaphan, and Abdon, the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan, the scribe, and Esai, the servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that is written in this book. Let me just say again before we go on to the next point. He started right. And when you start to do right, God starts to show you more things. Boy, God's excited. When you're on the right track, he wants to help you. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me right now. Look at me. If you want to do right, God's going to help you. God's going to help you find more stuff, more information. If, if you're on the right track and you want to do right, listen, Satan's going to try to stop you, okay? He's going to try to hinder you. 
but God's going to try to help you. He's going to show you how you can find some answers. It's interesting, when you start to do something for the Lord, he shows you more of the Bible. And he shows you more of the answers that you need to know and understand. So don't get away from the book. Have a desire to get things cleaned up. And that's what he was doing. He is cleaning house. And no matter what was going on in his life, he was going to do right. Um, You know, God's able to save to the uttermost. It doesn't matter how far off or how messed up your life is as, as Josiah and his nation was. God wants to use you. And it doesn't matter how old you are. In fact, Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1 says, Remember thou thy creator in the days of thy youth. And Mark chapter 10 verse 13 through 16, Jesus said, As a little child, if they'll come to me as a little child, you know, it doesn't matter if he's only 8 years old or 16 years old. That's about the age of some of the young people in here right now. Young people between 10 and 15 years old or 18 years old. And God used Josiah. So Josiah started right, but he also did right. We read already that he gave attention to the house of God. He cleaned house. Now with your finger there in Second Chronicles, go back with me to Second, uh, or Second Kings for a minute. Second Kings chapter 22 again. Keep your finger in Chronicles if you would, but Second Kings 22. There in Second Kings 22, it, it kind of reads similar to what we just read. I won't reread all of it, but it says here in verse 5 of 2 Kings uh, 20, uh, 22. Oh, here we go. And let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work and have the oversight of the house of the Lord and let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house under carpenters and builders and masons to buy timber and, ho- and hewn stone to repair the work, uh, to repair the house, albeit there was no reckoning made of them, of the money and that was delivered into their hand because they dealt faithfully. And so he just commanded that they clean house and they re-erect, re-resurrect that house of God, the temple of God, and get things back on track. Now, this reminds me of something that we've read before and talked about before and that is the the song that we sing in the back of our hymnal and it's also in genesis and that is the house of god which is called bethel and basically he was getting bethel back to bethel he was getting god's house back to where it ought to be he he was bringing the house of god back to where the house of god should be and restoring it the bible says in hebrews 10:25 not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together one of the first things that starts to go in your life is the house of god the worship of God, and the importance of meeting with God. That's one of the first things that starts to slide when you're just getting away from God. And so you just read these two passages and you realize the place is a mess and they're cleaning things up. And, and, and obviously it's such a mess that all of a sudden they, they pull out this pile of rubble and here's this book and it just so happens to be God's word. It's a mess. It's, it's destroyed. It's torn down. They're not even aware of what God's word has to say. Well, then as we said already in verse 8 through 20, we see how that they found the word of God. He gave attention not only to the house of God, but to the word of God. What's happening today is people are having some kind of warm, fuzzy worship experience, and they call it the house of God, but that's, there's no word of God being used. Be aware of places that aren't using the word of God. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. By the way, Joshua said that way before Josiah was ever born. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou may observe to do all that, that is written therein, that thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And they didn't have good success. They were a mess, and they were a, a, an apostate 
state because they were away from the word of God. But when Josiah found the word of God, he rent his clothes and said, we need to get right with God. Then notice chapter 23. He started to realize we've got to pay attention to the people of God. And so in chapter 23, 2 Kings 23, it says, And the king sent, and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. So he starts to clean God's house because that was a burden on his heart. Then he finds the word of God, and then he gets his own personal life taken care of. And then he goes to the people and says, listen to what I've just read. And he reads God's word to the people. Verse 3, and the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart, with all their soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant they agreed they stood to it and the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal it's not supposed to be in God's house and for the grove and for all the host of heaven the astrology and he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel And he put down the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah. And in the places round about Jerusalem, them also that buried incense, burned incense unto Baal, to the sun and to the moon and to the planets and to all the hosts of heaven. And he brought out the grove from the house of the Lord without Jerusalem unto the brook of Kidron and burned it at the brook Kidron and stamped it small to power and cast the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people. And so we see again, as we read earlier, that he's taking care of business with the people. And he's, he's addressing the needs of the people and the fact that they've, been, they've had false religion. They've had false priests and they've been worshiping in groves and worshiping the sun, moon, and stars for crying out loud. And Baal. Verse 7. And he break down the houses of the Sodomites. He didn't just ask if he could buy their houses. No, he just told them, I'm smashing them. And he broke them. That were by the house, listen, guess where the Sodomite houses were? By the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the grove. And he brought all the priests out of the cities of the Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba and break down the high places of the gates that were in the entering in of the gate of the Joshua, the governor of the city, which were in on a man's left hand and on the gate of the city. So we see Josiah is doing what he needs to do and God's ordaining it he's cleaning up the people which means he's giving attention to the nation and spiritually he's taking care of business look at chapter 23 verse 12 and the altars they're on the top of the upper chamber of Ahaz which the king of Judah had made and the altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of the Lord that was his grandpa did the king beat down and break them down from thence and cast the dust of them into the brook of Kidron. And the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon the king of Israel had builded for Ashtoreth, that's when Solomon was wrong, the abomination of the Zidonians, and for Chemosh, and the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the children of Ammon, did the king defile. And he break in pieces the images, and cut down the groves, and filled their places with the bones of men. Listen, some of this stuff was around since Solomon. 
That means some of this stuff had been around for 17 kings. And he said, I don't know why nobody else has gotten rid of this junk, but Solomon was way off when he was worshiping Ashtaroth. Solomon was wicked and wrong. I don't care who Solomon was. He was wrong in his older days, and he was. He, he went wicked and started worshiping the gods of his wives. And Josiah said, we're getting rid of that junk. We're tearing it down. We're taking care of business. We're cleaning house. This is what Josiah was doing. He was cleaning house. Verse 15, moreover, the altar that was at Bethel and the high place which Jeroboam, that was the guy who split off of Solomon way back. Way back. I mean, we're talking, we're talking hundreds of years earlier. The son of Nabat, who made Israel to sin, had made both the altar and the high place. He break it down and burned the high place and stamped it small to powder and burned the grove. Now, aren't you getting just a little too carried away, Mr. Josiah? No. This is stuff that should have, he, he's taking the word of God seriously. And he's saying, we've got to clean up. This is wrong. This is wicked. By the way, this is what true revival looks like. True revival is when people get their lives cleaned up. True revival is not when people have a warm, fuzzy experience, but when people look around and say, man, I got junk. Because if you know that you're wrong with God, it isn't long before you realize there's stuff in my, there's stuff in my closet, there's stuff on my shelves, there's stuff in my life that needs to go. I got sodomites living next to God's house. It's going, it's gone. It needs to be broken down and destroyed. I don't know if you heard about it. It made the news, but there was supposedly a revival in Kentucky the last couple weeks problem is is that there were homosexual christians leading the service and there was a female preacher leading one of the services now some christians think it's warm and fuzzy well, i'm going to tell you right now there's more to life than just warm and fuzzy when it comes to revival revival also includes cleaning house and getting things right this is what true revival looks like true revival doesn't say we have christian sodomites let's hold hands and sing kumbaya true revival says we get rid of them that's what Josiah did. And he cleaned the things up morally. They weren't going to tolerate that. That's wrong. And I'm sure there's some people saying, oh, I don't know. Solomon built that. Solomon was the wisest king we ever had, and he built that. Verse 16, and as Josiah turned himself, he spied the sepulchers that were there in the mount and sent and took the bones out of the sepulchers and burned them upon the altar and polluted it according to the word of the Lord, which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these words. Then he said, what title is that that I see? And the men of the city told him, it is the sepulcher of the man of God, which came from Judah and proclaimed these things that thou hast done against the altar of Bethel. Bethel had turned into a, a godless, unbiblical worship site. Josiah said, really? I don't know if he said really. It might be in the Hebrew, I don't know. But verse 18, he said, let him alone. That's the man that, that proclaimed and prophesied that I would do this. By the way, that's true. You see, when Jeroboam started his own worship service and his own religion, his own different priesthood and different sacrifice system, this was way back in 1 Kings chapter 13, 12 and 13, after they split off of Solomon's and they became two nations. And I'm not kidding. Before Josiah was born, 17 kings earlier, you keep your finger in 2 Kings 20, this is what the prophet said. He came to that place in Bethel where Jeroboam had built this false altar and this false idol and started this, this wicked system of, of, of worship that was not godly. 
In 1 Kings 13, verse 1, it says, And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, This is what the, pre- the preacher said to Jeroboam. And we're talking 17 kings earlier. O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And so 17 generations later, Josiah says, what's that? Well, that's what Jeroboam started. Let's tear it down and get rid of it. And what's that? Well, that's the grave of the guy that prophesied that you were going to clean things up. Prophesied that you and named you by name. You don't think that might have been encouraging to Josiah? Maybe, maybe he stopped listening to all the complainers. When you, when, you, when you realize you're in God's will and you're doing exactly what God destined for you to do. And he said, he said, well, leave his grave alone. But the rest of these guys toss theirs into powder. Now, it's interesting to see some of the things that happened here. But I just want to note some things about Josiah. Number one, you can serve God at any age. Doesn't matter how young you are. And young people, you are a blessing. And don't ever think you're too young to serve God. You can serve God at any age. At age eight, he started to be king. By age 16, he started getting his his heart and his focus on God. By age 20, he started cleaning house. By age 26, he started taking care of business with the false religions. We can serve God under any circumstances. Josiah's own family was a mess. Josiah's dad was a mess. Josiah's grandfather Manasseh was a disaster. Josiah's nation was a mess. Sodomites living right next to the temple. Nobody even knows what the word of God says. And they've got stuff going on and and idols built for Ashtaroth ever since the days of Solomon. Doesn't matter. You can serve God under any circumstances. And the third thing you need to learn there's only one way to serve God and that's the right way it says there back in 2nd Kings 22 and verse 2 and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord not just well I'm sincere isn't that good enough no he wanted to make sure he did it right that's why he ripped his clothes he realized they even though they were sincere they weren't doing it right And again, if there's true revival, you're not going to just say that I have a sincere motive for God, but you're going to find out what does the Bible actually say and do it right according to God's word. There's only one way to serve God acceptably, and that's the right way. Speaking of sodomites, I'm just going to throw this in here. We're being, being, um, I don't know, brainwashed. We're being programmed. We're being conditioned. And I, I'm a patriot. I'm American. But you know what happened this past week? This past week, the bad guy. The guy that we're all supposed to hate, and everyone's trying real hard to make him to be the bad guy. I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm not saying that I think he's a great guy. But the bad guy, his name is Vladimir Putin. 
he stood up and gave like an hour and a half, two-hour speech. Of course, you and I can't hear it and read it or understand it in Russian. But it was translated, and I'll just give you a snippet of what he said. He talked about America and the West. And he said, they're allowing their families to be perverted. The holy book says that there, that there is only one type of marriage, and that's men and women. He, he, he actually talked about the word of God. He said the people in the West have perverted their children and perverted marriage and are promoting this homosexuality lifestyle. To the, and he said, you look it up. I almost showed it tonight. That's what the president of Russia said about us. And you know what? He's right. I amen him. But we're being told, oh, watch out. I'm not saying he's Josiah and that there's revival going on in Russia. I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to paint the picture of what a mess we are. We're a mess. Josiah started right, and Josiah did right. But unlike some other kings, Josiah actually finished right. What a blessing. He died right. Now, I didn't read it earlier, but let's read it now in 2 Kings chapter 22. He sent and asked for, for some advice. And it says here that in, in 2 Kings 22... And verse uh, 13, go and inquire of the Lord for me. So verse 14 of Second Kings 22, so Hilkiah the priest and Ahiakim the Ak- and Akbar the Shaphan and Asahiah went unto Huldah the prophetess. Listen, I am not disparaging women in any way here, but let me just tell you something. When you've got a prophetess that knows more about what God says than any man, you, got, you, you obviously there's an indication there, okay? You got problems. That just shows how unmanly the place was and how unmanly the men of God were and so the prophetess the wife of Shulam the son of Tikva the son of Heras keeper of the wardrobe now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college and they communed with her and she said unto them thus saith the Lord God of Israel tell the man that sent you Josiah thus saith the Lord behold I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto the gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah which sent you, that's Josiah, to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord when thou heardest that I, what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should in, become a desolation and a curse and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me. I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore I will gather thee unto thy fathers and thou shalt be gathered unto thy grave in peace and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. When I read you tonight that he died at age 39, all oh, that seems so young. How tragic that he died so young. You know, we think that. But you know what Josiah was thinking the first moment he died and didn't have to deal with this anymore? I am free from all this. We, we think it's so terrible if someone dies in, in the prime of life, so to speak, at age 39. 
But you know what? If they're saved, they're in heaven. And they've got it made, man. Their, their pressure and burden is over with. He finished right. In fact, in chapter 23, in verse 25, I read it already, but I'll read it again. And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to all the law of Moses. Neither after him rose there any king like him. But now this is interesting because when you read it, you think, well, he kind of died maybe uh, a Luther. No, he didn't. Verse 26, notwithstanding, the Lord turned not from the fierceness of his great wrath, wherewith his anger was kindled against Judah because of all the provocations that Manasseh had provoked him with, with all his grandfather. And Lord, the Lord said, I will remove Judah out of my sight as I removed Israel, and I will cast off this city, Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house with which I said my name shall be there. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And in the days of Pharaoh the king of Egypt went up against the king of Assyria to the river of Euphrates, and king Josiah went against him, and he slew him at Megiddo. And Josiah was killed in that battle. The Bible says in Second Chronicles that they... They took him out of the fighting chariot and threw him into the speed chariot and they rushed him back to the city. But by the time they got back there, he was dead. He died mortally wounded in his chariot. We'll say, well, that's terrible. No, because he's in heaven now. And just as the prophetess said, I'm not going to allow him to see all the mess that's going to happen. What's going to take place in Judah is going to break his heart. I'm, I'm going to make sure I take him home before that takes place. And he died at peace. He finished the work. Look with me. Well, I won't turn there, but it says in Second Chronicles 35, 20, he finished the temple. He got it cleaned up before he died. He died serving God. He died in the battlefield, fighting and serving the Lord. He died nobly. But most importantly, he finished right. You know why I keep saying that? Because there are kings who started right but didn't finish right. Asa, Jehoshaphat, Uzziah. Asa, Jehoshaphat, Uzziah, they were good kings, but they died kind of lousy. They died less than stellar. They didn't die finishing anything strong. Then there were kings who started wrong but finished right, like Grandpa Manasseh. And then there were kings who started wrong and finished wrong, like Ammon. But Josiah was one of the few who started right, did right, and finished right. It reminds me of a passage in Second Timothy. Let's go there. Second Timothy chapter number two. Second Timothy chapter two. And verse nineteen. Nevertheless, the foundation of the Lord standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one of them nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in the great house there are not only vessels of wood and of, excuse me, of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. You know, it's so true. In fact, I would say I know less I know less bad things about Josiah than I know about King David. You know that? I know King David's very popular, but King David sure made him a mess of his family and committed adultery and murder. 
It's so true that you can ruin a reputation in just a few minutes. You can live for 40, 50, 60 years and still ruin what you did, what you built that up to. He didn't just start right and live right. He finished right. And young people and old people alike, it's so easy for us to say, well, I've done this, this, and this, and this, and I've done, I've got this, this, and this to, to my record. But what if you finish wrong? I'd rather die before my time, as they say. I'd rather die prematurely than to live another 10 or 15 years and regret those last 15 years. I keep talking about his grandpa Manasseh. You know, great-grandpa Hezekiah was told he was going to die, and he begged God, oh, I don't want to die. And so Isaiah said, all right, you're going to live 15 more years. You know, after about three years of that promise, Manasseh was born. If Hezekiah had died, when God said he's going to die, there had never been evil Manasseh. I'm just saying that sometimes we think it's terrible that God wants to take us home early. I'd rather go home early. I mean this with all my heart. I don't want this to happen, but I'd rather any of my children die early than to live a long time and and be a mess and do wicked things. And young people, purge yourself and be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. Don't allow the world and the devil to destroy you. And then look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. I hope you can say this because Josiah could say this and Paul could say this. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. For I am not ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. That's what I hope someone will read over my grave someday. But it's up to me if that's really going to happen. If they're going to say that about me, that he fought a good fight, he finished his course, he kept the faith, he didn't fall off, he didn't go off into sin and do something in the end. He started well, he did well, and he finished well. Be better for them to say, he started lousy, but then he got right, and he finished well. I'd much rather have that than he started well, but he finished lousy. And one more thing about finishing well. I mentioned that Josiah was during the same time that Jeremiah the preacher was alive. Jeremiah stayed alive a lot longer. Josiah died at age 39. Jeremiah kept on preaching a lot longer after that. Jeremiah, if you remember, he was alive when Nebuchadnezzar came in and took over. But then I also realized something, and and I went and looked at those charts that we have in our Sunday school classroom. And I try to line up everything chronologically. And, oh, so this person was alive at this time. These are all contemporary with each other. And I noticed in the line, there was these young people, 10, 12-year-olds. During the time of Josiah and the time of Jeremiah, King Josiah was an influence. And cleaning house and get rid. We're going to get right with God. And there were young people that were seeing it and saying, wow, this is amazing. And they heard their dad and mom saying, we don't believe what's happening. But he's getting rid of the sodomites and he's getting rid of I mean, he's cleaning house. And these young 10 and 12-year-olds heard it. And their names were Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And within three years of Josiah dying, they got taken into Babylon. And they said, we are not going to defile ourselves. They learned that through Josiah's testimony. 
They learned that at home. That was the last good king they ever knew. See, we, what we do for the Lord makes a difference. It rubs off. I hope someday, I hope someday that Daniel Williams will say, well, way back when I had this Pastor Matt and he was an influence on me. I hope Uriah is going to say, way back when there was this Miss Wilma and she was an influence for me. And I mean it. I'd rather die of a heart attack tonight or in a car wreck tomorrow than to ruin that influence. Doesn't matter how long you live. It matters how well you die. What kind of an example you were at the time of your death. Josiah was a godly young man and God used him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to preach it and teach it. Help us to see real life and real people in these stories and recognize that these people all were connected to each other in some way and how that what you've given us to do, we need to do to the fullest of our ability. We need to trust you and start right, live right, and finish right. We need to recognize that there's young people. I know there's some young people that were here this morning. They look up to me. They look up to others in this room. Lord, help us to live right. Help us to be encouraged along the way that we are doing the right thing. But most importantly, help us to just focus on you, knowing that down the road, it will be worth it all, as we sang tonight. Help us to trust you and put you first. We live in a day of messed up religion. We live in a day where religion is trying to compromise with wickedness. Help us to stand for what's right and for what's true. Help us to never lose the word of God and not even know what it says. Help us to hold on to it like was preached last Sunday. Hold on to the sword and cleave to it and use it and fight with it and use it for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.